Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. In the last Sunday, I was preaching on long suffering. And uh, Kathy said, uh, we, we had our tree blow down in our front yard. And Kathy said, we should have expected something because you spoke on long suffering and enduring and putting up with. And so our big uh, 30 foot high mesquite tree is now kindling. And uh, so I really thank my neighbor and Jim Ricosi who both helped greatly to uh, clean up that and get the street open again because it hit the corner of our house and then most of it went out into the street so it didn't do much damage to the house and it didn't break the wall or the gate so uh, we're grateful for that as well uh, but today I want you to think about your Bible we use the Bible we read the Bible but sometimes you may not think about the Bible very much so we're going to read from the Bible in just a moment and but I want you to think about the Bible. The Bible was written by more than 40 people over a period of some 1600 plus years. The Bible is not just one book, it's actually a library of books. Uh, this is from the Answers in Genesis group. They put this schedule together. You see there's an Old Testament, and then there's 39 books in the Old Testament, and then there's the New Testament. It starts on the right of the middle shelf uh, with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then it goes all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. So these are the books of the Bible. Now, uh, some of these books focus on history. They tell the history of, in the Old Testament, of Israel, in the New Testament, of the church and the development of the church. Uh, some focus on poetry. Uh, the greatest songbook in history is the book of Psalms, and it, it's filled with poems and wisdom literature, songs. And then some focus on prophecy and what's going to happen in the future, the end of days. And others focus on instructions for our lives and for our churches. And some include all of the above. Uh, but uh, it's a library of books that we can study and learn from. All of them, or maybe I should say each of them, then point to the work that God was doing. He was preparing the way for the Messiah to come. So it starts in Genesis with the promise of the Messiah, and it builds all the way through the book of Malachi, all the way through the Old Testament, all of those promises of the Messiah who would come. And then we have the Gospels of the Messiah who came, Jesus the Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew way to say it. Christ is the Greek way to say it. So we have the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. And then starting in the book of Acts, there's a transition from all the Old Testament processes and the Messiah coming into the, the book or, or the process of the church. And we start with letters to the church beginning in the book of Romans and actually going all the way through uh, the New Testament. There's a couple of letters that were personally addressed to people, but they also became instruction for the church. So uh, it focused on the Messiah who would come, 
on the Messiah who came, and now we look back on how Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sins. Um, and then the, the, it ends with instruction in the new heaven and the new earth. And if you want to learn a little bit more about heaven and the new earth, I taught a series beginning in third Sunday or fourth Sunday of January, and it dealt with heaven. We spent six weeks talking about heaven and our future home and the new heaven and the new earth and what those will look like. So you can go back and see those online or listen to them from our podcast. Now, most of you are reading the English Bible. And you may not have thought of this before, but there's not one word written in English in your whole Bible, in the original Bible. There was not one word written in English. It was written, the Old Testament, primarily in Hebrew. Uh, part of the Old Testament was also written in uh, Chaldean. And it dealt with the founding of the history of the nation of Israel. And uh, was written between, oh, less than 2000 BC up to about 400 BC. And then the majority of the New Testament deals with the life of Christ and the founding and uh, focus of the church. And it was written between AD 30 and AD 90 or AD 100. Mostly in Greek, but parts of it in Aramaic. Now, it would be awkward for you to have to read the Hebrew and Greek, wouldn't it? So on the, the left side of your screen, you have Hebrew, and on the right side of the screen, you have Greek. So what part of your Bible is that? Let me give you a hint. They both start with the same three words, in the beginning. Well, then you know the Hebrew, that's Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. And the Greek, that's uh, from John 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so uh, when you read your English Bible, you are reading a translation of a copy of the original text. Now, God miraculously preserved his word so that we have thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of text, more than 20,000 for the Gospel of Mark alone. And we can look, learn from them and translate it into English and into other languages. Since the first printing of the Bible 800 years ago, the Bible remains the best-selling book of all time. It is called the best-selling, most beloved, and most neglected book on earth. So don't neglect God's word. Learn and live your Bible and then love and follow Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible was written. So today we're going to continue our series in the study on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at kindness. Kindness. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to build this into your life. Now you see two references there on the screen. The first is Galatians 5. We're going to start there. We're going to read the same two verses we've been reading in this series. And then we're going to move over to Romans chapter 12. All right. In Galatians chapter 5, he describes and lays out, spells out the fruit of the Spirit. Now, uh, fruit grows naturally. So the fruit of the Spirit 
is going to grow naturally in your life. And he has the different fruits of the Spirit there. But let's look at it in the Bible. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. So, or, sorry, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So this is... This is the fruit. It's singular. There's nine characteristics of the one fruit. Like you could say, uh, this is glasses, which I don't understand why they're called a pair of glasses when it's all one, uh, but it's to fit your pair of eyeballs. So uh, you say, well, that's a pair of glasses. Well, it's not just a pair of glasses. There's some screws in here, and when they get loose, you have a lot of problems, just like when the screws get loose up here. Uh, and, and then there's different pieces and parts to the glasses, but it all makes up a pair of glasses. With any part missing, your glasses aren't working. And with any part of this fruit missing, you're not living the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so healthy trees naturally produce fruit. And the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to be kind. Truly, if you're truly trusting and following Jesus Christ, he will give you that ability. Now, in previous weeks, I've said it just comes naturally with the Holy Spirit in your life. But the truth is, it's supernatural. It's beyond your natural life. The Holy Spirit is bringing something into your life. Now, if my siblings were here today, and uh, they would tell you there was a time when kindness was not at all part of my life. And Kathy can tell you a time in our marriage when kindness wasn't as easy as it is now. This Holy Spirit supernaturally works in us to accomplish his will, to change our lives, to grow us in the direction he wants us to grow. And we rejoice that it works. So. There are Greek or Hebrew words that we have up here, the English words, that are translated. And when those words are translated, there's slight variations of meaning. Now, some Bible translations actually reinterpret the biblical text. We recommend the King James and the New King James. There are other good ones, but these are the ones that we use all of our teaching, all of our preaching, and all of our classes and Awana is either using the King James or the New King James. And so the method of, we like the method of interpretation those use. And the original King James was translated in 1611, just a few years ago. Now, if you're reading from the King James this morning, then the translation you have is an update and that was about 1769 or so. Uh, it was updated to the version that you have today if you're reading from the King James. And then the new King James was translated 41 years ago. And to the kids here, that still seems old, right? Uh, but uh, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit in the King James and the new King James, we see a difference. So here's what shows up. See, there's two of them that are different. 
Now, because gentleness shows up earlier in the King James than it does in the New King James, it looks like, oh, they just kind of rearranged the order, but that's not actually what happens. Uh, the King James says gentleness, the New King James says kindness, but they're describing the same characteristic or attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. This is also true with meekness, gentleness, that we'll look at in a few weeks. They, to us, they feel different, but the reality is they're very similar. That Greek word, which is uh, Christostes, Christostes, uh, uh, it, it means there, there's a fullness to it that's hard to see in one word in English. But it, it's the quality of being warm-hearted, considerate, kind, humane, gentle, and sympathetic. So the King James translators translated as gentleness, which is perfectly accurate. And the New King James used the word kindness, which is also perfectly accurate. They're both accurate representations of what the Greek originally said. Now, I'm reading from the New King James, so I'm gonna use the word kindness, but remember, it addresses all parts of that kindness, including being warm-hearted and considerate, humane, and gentle, okay? So now please turn to Romans 12. In Romans 12, we're gonna uh, look at the scripture in just a little bit, but uh, when we go to the book of Romans, we'll be in Romans chapter 12. On the screen, it has a picture of Romans chapter one. Uh, but in the book of Romans, Paul writes 11 chapters that teach some of the great doctrines of the faith. Doctrine is teaching. Uh, Kathy and I had a guy visit a church. I was pastoring in, in Sabonito before God brought us here. And, and he came to the church and I was teaching on some of the doctrines of the church that Sunday. And then afterward, uh, I visited with him and talked with him and he said, listen, I don't want all that doctrine stuff. I just want to know what the Bible says. <laughs> doctrine means teaching what the Bible says. It doesn't mean we're going to, you know, jump through theological hoops and do stuff. It means we're going to look at what the Bible says and then we're going to teach it in a way that can help us apply it to our lives. Uh, so Paul describes and clarifies some of the theology. And what Paul was writing, he said, we're all sinners. We all need a Savior. The Savior's name is Jesus. He's the only Savior. And if we trust in him and then follow him, we're going to be on our way to heaven and we can avoid many of the problems in this life. So Paul was describing and clarifying theological facts, including revelation, how we got the Bible, creation, the beginning of all things, condemnation, that we fell into sin, propitiation, that Jesus took our place, regeneration, that we're born again when we trust Christ, justification, he makes us equal to Christ legally. God does that for us. Sanctification, how we set our lives apart to follow him. And glorification, that Jesus has already experienced, and we will join him there and rejoice in his glory someday. And so all of those are described by Paul and written out here in the book of Romans. And Paul teaches the truth about, this word sounds a little funny, bibliology. 
Bibliology, what do you think that's the, the study about? About the Bible, yeah. It's the truth about the Bible. And then theology, which is the truth about God. Christology, the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Pneumatology is the truth about the Holy Spirit. Geology is the truth about the origin and structure of this planet and the universe, actually, but specifically this planet. Biology, the truth about life and all growing things. Anthropology, the truth about the origin and uniqueness of humanity. Homartiology is the truth about the origin and the depravity of sin. Soteriology, the truth about how we get saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Ecclesiology is the truth about the purpose and the focus of the church. And eschatology, the truth about end times and the end of the world. Okay, you ready for your quiz? <laughs> but see what Paul writes, he writes all of this, and this is important stuff. In fact, you can go through our articles of faith as a church. Those who want to join with the church, we go through the articles of faith and they read it, and, and it addresses all of these issues because they're important issues. And the Holy Spirit of God inspired the Apostle Paul to write these issues in the scripture so that we can learn and so that we can grow, not so that you can pass a theology quiz test online and say, ooh, I'm getting smart, but so you can actually live it out in your life. So in chapter 12, Paul shifts direction. Instead of laying this big, deep, long, thick theological foundation, now he's going to get really practical on how we can make this work in our lives. So in chapter 12, he's going to begin looking at how should we respond to God? How should we respond to God? All right, I'm going to read a few verses, and then we'll pause and talk about them, and then I'll read a few more, okay? Uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's what every one of you should do. Kids, this is something you should do. Adults, this is something you should do. Old guys, this is something you should do. Mature ladies, this is something you should do. We should present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy, acceptable to him. And then in verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's pause right there for just a moment. The first thing that we see in verse number one is we should be dedicated. We should be dedicated. You should set yourself apart. Uh, you should decide you want your life to follow Christ. I appreciated Aiden getting up here and sharing that, uh, about the ministry, how exciting it is that they're able to train some college kids so that those college kids are now able to lead Bible studies with other college kids on campus. 
That's pretty exciting. That's exactly what Paul told Timothy to do. You learn from me, and then you share it with other guys, you can then share it with other guys too. And that's what Nate was trying to do in that ministry. And we rejoice that we have a little part in that because we help support him a little bit. And, and that's fun, and it's also serious business. So be dedicated to the Lord. Be committed to him. And then from verse 2, you need to be transformed. Be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Now, there's times in your life where you have a reputation. At some point, some of you had a bad reputation. And then you trusted Christ, you started following him, and your reputation started changing. And so then, years down the road, Nobody who didn't know you back then, nobody has a clue how bad your life was and the horrible decisions you made back then because you're being transformed. And we get transformed, as Paul said here, by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't happen accidentally. John didn't go to sleep and then wake up one day and said, Woo, I'm transformed. It'd be nice if it was that easy, wouldn't it? No, what happened is we grow little by little over time, growing and maturing in Christ. Now, you can have a major transformation when you first trust Christ, but then the process of growing takes time and effort. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in verse three, look what it says. It says, uh, my Bible doesn't have the verses at the beginning. It has it in parallel form, so sometimes I have to look for the number. Uh, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What can you think of that might fit a, a description of verse 3? Be humble. Be humble. Some people are really arrogant. In fact, some preachers are really arrogant. Those are the scary preachers you try and stay away from that I mentioned last Sunday. Uh, you be humble. Well, I had a friend who used to say, hey, it's hard to be humble when you're this good. <laughs> but the truth is, you're just comparing yourself in the wrong direction. Instead of comparing yourself to who you used to be or comparing yourself to other people, you're supposed to compare yourself to Jesus. And you got a lot of room for growth, let me tell you. When that's the standard that we're working toward. So be humble. Now, in verse 4, he says so. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Amen. Your body has different functions. Your eye does, cannot at all do what the nose does. The nose can't do what the ear does. The ear can't do what other parts do. Your shin bone cannot flex like your elbow joint. Uh, you have different parts of the body have different functions. 
And how many of you have ever just, just stumped your little toe, that little pinky toe? You stump that thing, and, and how easy it is, is it to walk when that itty bitty cute little pinky toe is hurting? It's hard to do anything. And so the body has to work together, and that's how Paul's describing it here. So in verses 4 and 5, you need to be connected. Now, what he's writing, he's writing to a church, a group of believers that are meeting together in Rome, in Rome and, it, and so it's a letter to the Romans, and he's encouraging them and challenging them. And so he's saying, just like your body needs to be fully connected, so the church needs to be. But you need to be involved in church. Not just showing up, but involved, engaging. Uh, before the Bible class time this morning, when Tim Penny got up to teach, or before he got up to teach, I saw different people uh, walking around, looking, talking to each other, encouraging each other, uh, hugging each other, uh, doing some happiness sharing together. And that's ministry to one another. You need to be ministering to other people. Amen. Now, you can't say, you know, I, I really like that idea. Next week, I want to teach the Bible class. Uh, Tim Pinnock and the other deacons and I are going to say, thank you for your concern. Uh, but you have to, I mean, there was a time when Tim didn't teach the Bible class, and now he does an outstanding job teaching it, and, and all of our teachers do a great job. But they had to grow into it. And uh, we had a guy who met with me. He was visiting our church years ago. And he came here and he met with me. He said, I want to join your church and I want to teach. I said, that's great. We'd love to have you join. Get involved. Let people get to know you. And then maybe we'll have you uh, teach. Why? Well, because you need to have some measure of assurance the person up there teaching is consistent with the doctrines of our church, is gonna teach it accurately, is gonna be able to handle it. And so, uh, you know, Aiden, who was just up here a little bit ago, he's preached for me several times. Uh, but when Aiden and I first talked about it, I didn't say, hey Aiden, come and preach. No, we talked, we went over it, we planned his message, we had him speak to a smaller group and then a bigger group. And that's the process that we go through so that you grow and mature in it. But listen, you may never get up here to teach, and that's okay. But you need to be connected and ministering to other people. You need to do it, and they need to receive it. And by the way, you also need to receive it from them. So now look at verse 6, starting in verse 6. He says, Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. So different people have different spiritual gifts. Now the series we're doing is focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, but there's also different spiritual gifts that God gives us. Peter broke those spiritual gifts down into two groups. Uh, speaking gifts, when you're teaching or preaching, and ministry gifts, where you're caring for other people. Paul breaks it down a little bit differently, but it's the same concept. So he says in the middle of verse 6, If your gift is prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, we're no longer proclaiming new truth from God. 
we have God's completed revelation, but we're teaching it and communicating Him. So, in the day when Paul wrote this, they were still revealing new parts of Scripture. There's parts in your Bible that weren't written when Paul was writing Romans chapter 12, but they've now been written, and we have the completed revelation. So, uh, then he says it in verse 7, or ministry, if you have the gift of ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. So some of you are just gifted encouragers. You just encourage people. You know, we had a lady in our church, was her name Gloria, the lady in Texas, our church in Texas, Gloria. You know, I remember going to visit her in the hospital and she encouraged me. Uh, she was she was a gifted encourager. Anytime we went anywhere, somebody was telling us how, how Gloria had encouraged them. And you can do that by calling people on the phone, praying for them. You can write letters. Some people just have the gift to do it really well, but everybody can do it. Then he says, he who gives with liberality. So we have an offering box in the back. You know, we don't have a deacon stand there by the offering box and watch as you put your money in and say, not enough. No, no we, that's between you and God. You give. You're, you need to give. The Bible spells that out. And, and Jesus did stand and watch the money being put in. And he didn't praise the one who gave the most money. He gave the one who gave the most of her life. And she put in two itty bitty little coins. And Jesus said that was worth more than all the others because she gave all she had. So he, he wanted to, to give life. But you, you can't say, well, I don't need to give because I don't have the gift of giving. We all need to be giving, but some people who have the gift of giving, God allows them to earn a lot of money through wise investing and other things, and then he allows them to give generously. Our church has benefited from people giving generously to the work of the Lord. And we've had people take on special projects with our church or with our missionaries, and what a huge blessing that is. So some people, God allows to have the gift of giving. We all give. Some people just, God makes it easier for them. And, and then, then he adds here in verse 8, he who exhorts, like I'm doing today, on exhortation. We're encouraging and challenging people to follow the scriptures. That's what exhorting is. And uh, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So all of the, I just... I'll put all these together to be faithful to God by ministering to, for, and with others. Be faithful to God by ministering to, for, and with others. Use your spiritual gifts. Get involved in the lives of other people. If you say, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, that's great. Don't go online and take a test. Start serving. Start ministering. Start caring. God will reveal it to you. I know people who go online and they take that test and one of them told me, well, I always thought God wanted to use me as a teacher, but I don't have the gift of teaching. Well, you can grow in that area and, and teach effectively. Um, having the gift of teaching just makes it easier for you. But don't, I think the online quizzes and things you do to try and figure out your spiritual gifts, I think they limit people. Instead, serve God and trust the Holy Spirit 
to reveal it to you. I never dreamed I would end up pastoring. Never dreamed it. I just started serving God and serving in a church and helping people. And eventually, God led me to be a pastor. Now, there, there, verse 9 starts another shift in this book and in this chapter. Verse 9 is all about be kind, loving, and persistent. Uh, verses 9 through the end of the chapter. Be kind, loving, and persistent. This is what we should do. Now, we're thinking about kindness today, so let's look at how it figures out. Now, the, what, the third word, or second word in here is love. You're going to read love, and you're going to read patience and different things. The fruit of the Spirit is all interconnected. You're not seeking to grow in one specific area. You're trying to grow in all of these areas. So there's nine different characteristics. Uh, we have them up on our banners. We have them in our Bible, and we're thinking about them. So some of them come up multiple times as we look in the text. So uh, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. Don't say, I love you, and then act hateful towards somebody. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Turn away from and hate the things that are evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. All right, let's jump back, okay? In verse 9, I want you to think about be good. Be good. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. Be good. Now, this is a lady wearing an angel costume. Don't pretend that you're an angel, but do be good, okay? Uh, and then in verse 10, it's be kind and respectful, kindly affection to one another, in honor, giving preference to one another. Be kind and respectful. So that means when we gather here in church, it's not so you can trash talk somebody else. <laughs> Kathy and I were actually in a church that did door-to-door soul-winning visitation every Saturday morning. And that's not a bad thing to go and try and talk to people about Jesus and try. But in that church, they did it in a bad way. They, like, forced themselves on people and badgered people until they could get a prayer. And then there was this contest. What was the ladies' group called? Foster. Foster, what, foster group, and the guys were soul winners group or something and, and they had a competition between the men and the women and then on Sunday morning they were trash talking we led more to Jesus than you that's not spiritual it was the wrong focus in the church you're supposed to be kind and respectful now I intentionally put this picture up because it's an old guy probably a lot older than me wouldn't you think <laughs> an old guy and then there's a young kid, definitely a lot younger than me, and they're being kind to each other. See, you kids should be kind to the old people. One of the ways you do that is not to run in the foyer or in the courtyard, because if you bump into the leg of an old person, they might go down. And a weevil's wobble, but old people just crack. <laughs> so, so don't trip us up. Uh, and Old people can be kind to the kids. 
You know, kids are not supposed to be seen and not heard. Now, actually, on Sunday nights, I ask questions of the kids quite often, and a specific question for the kids. Uh, don't do that every week, but I often do. We need to listen to and learn from the kids. And, and let me tell those of you who are a little older, one of the blessings in our life, when we came here, we had five kids, still have five, but they're all adults with their own kids. Uh, but, but when we came here, we had five kids who all lived in the home with us. And there were people at church who would say, yo, your, your daughter, well, the one who wears glasses. Or your son, you know, the taller one. And the people who really connected with our kids are the ones who learn their names and they learn about them. I mean, I have seen Dennis hanging out with Dawson. Well, that's a huge blessing in Dawson's life and in Dennis's life. And then we're interacting with one another. And so you older adults, you connect with some of these younger families. And you, you, maybe you don't want to invite you know, a family with five kids into your living room where you have precious knickknacks around the room. Uh, then meet them at the park. Tell them, listen, we're going to pick up pizza. We'll meet you at the park. It'd be a blessing to you and a blessing to them. I don't know any family in the church would say, oh, no thanks, I don't want free pizza. <laughs> I don't know anybody who would feel that way. So be kind and be respectful. And, and then verse 11, he says, oh, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So you need to be reliable, not lacking in diligence, Fervent, serving the Lord. Be reliable. You, you need to be count onable. We should be able to count on you to do, to serve, to minister, to care. Uh, what a blessing that is. Uh, Kathy and I visited a church once. And we showed up, and the pastor's wife got on the phone and called somebody and said, Hey, uh, we have um, kids your age here today. Uh, the age your your class are you going to come and teach and the person said uh, yeah we'll, we'll be there soon well we didn't show up long before so they started the class like half an hour late wasn't it I don't remember uh, and and they had a chinchilla loose in there that was kind of exciting <laughs> uh, we, we've experienced some some unusual things <laughs> But you know, I'll tell you what, one of the things I absolutely love about our teachers and, and the, the teachers who do the Bible classes, the teachers who do the junior church, which is going on right now, the teachers who do our one lessons, they are reliable. They show up. Uh, my dad used to say, he was a Sunday school superintendent of a large church, and he said, the two greatest abilities are availability and dependability. People need to be able to count on you. All right, look at verse 12. He says, um, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue, continuing steadfast in prayer. So be positive. Be positive. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean you have to be goofy. I joke that I've been more negative in my past than Kathy has. And, and I used to love it that she was, her blood type is A negative, but mine was A positive. 
because I'm such a positive person. Uh, but, you know, I, life is challenging. But when you're growing older, some of the wrinkles you need to add are smile wrinkles around your mouth and around your eyes. Be a positive person. God is at work on you, in you, through you, for you, with you. Rejoice in what God is doing. Uh, be positive. He says in this verse about hope, rejoicing in hope. Now, Paul had a lot of rough experiences. We looked at that last week. But he rejoiced in the hope in Christ. And he was patient in tribulation and continuing steadfast in prayer. He didn't give up because God didn't answer my prayer. <laughs> I love, love the story in Exodus when Moses goes and talks to God and he said, you sent me here to deliver these people and now it's gotten worse and you haven't delivered them at all. Don't you just hear the pain party little violins playing in the background? <laughs> at all. Well, be a positive person. And I'm not saying it's easy when you're going through hard times. Hard times are hard. But you can cultivate the practice of being more positive and showing kindness to other people even when you're in pain. Amen. Look at verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given the hospitality, you should be generous. Be generous. Uh, share your heart. Share your life. Share money when you have it available. Share to help other people. Uh, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So be nice. Be nice to other people. Uh, I remember when uh, my son Nathan was really interested in playing Little League and uh, the first year he was going out and I said, listen, I don't care whether you're the best kid on the team but you should be the nicest kid on the team because you walk with Jesus Christ. Amen. So we should think about that. And, and be nice is not just a be nice, be good. There are commands in Scripture. And this is how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life as well. Now look at verses 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So I put for this, be neighborly. Be neighborly. Be the Mr. Rogers of your neighborhood. Be neighborly to other people. Show kindness. Show love. Show concern. Uh, don't be arrogant. Don't be stuffy. And then verse 17 Part of this is a little awkward. Beginning of verse 17, he says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Pause there just for a moment, okay? He's not saying, until you've had it up to here. No. He's saying, you are responsible for you. So from your side of the equation, you be the kind one, the peacemaker, the encouraging one. And then he goes on in verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. I actually had a friend who was talking about that passage. And he said, I try and be nice to people because I want God to give them coals of fire on their head. Um, that, that's not what he's writing about. What he's writing about is, is a, a, a combination of humility uh, on the face of the other people and then separating yourself from others. You and I are not supposed to live like the people of this world. If you are trying to be nice to some people so God will hurt them, that's not the attitude the Holy Spirit wants to see in you. So this part is to be gracious. To be gracious toward other people. Don't expect people to measure up to your standards. I'll tell you one of the weirdest things Kathy and I have found in our relationship in our relationship is me. No, uh, but the truth is, it, it we define words differently. Words mean there's a, a clinical or, or a, a, a precise definition of a word, but then the way we use it, we have words different. And, and so sometimes she'll say a word, and I'm like, no, 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 this is it. And she'll say, no, 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 this is it. And it's the same word, but we're using it so differently. And actually, we love Google on our phones. Well, and look at it, and she'll say, huh, mine's closer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or I'll say it. Uh, but, but we use words differently. Now, now, here, in verse 18, he's talking specifically about how you interact with other people. Remember, you are given the assignment to be the nice, kind one in all your relationships. So the Holy Spirit's going to make this possible. He's going to build this up in you. But you have to follow through on it. You have that capacity. So don't expect people to see life exactly like you do or feel exactly like you do. I remember once we were watching a basketball game, I think it was, and I don't know why, when I was a kid, I became a fan of Duke basketball. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got saved, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Kathy and I were watching a game, and I think it was Kentucky against Duke, and Kentucky took the lead, and she said, yay! And I said, what? In this house, we cheer for Duke. No. Allow people to be different. Allow people to have different interests than you do. I mean, Tim Pettick and I harass each other a little bit because I went to the U of A and he went to ASU. And, you know, accept the differences. Although I did harass Clorinda when she brought Savannah to church wearing, when Savannah was little, okay, wearing her little ASU cheerleaders outfit. I said, that's childish. <laughs> but, but be the gracious one at work now some of you at work you're the boss Ben owns his own business uh, Ed's a doctor and everybody works for him okay you're the boss but even if you're not the boss like John's a supervisor and a manager but he also has a manager above him and be the gracious one be the kind one no John would not be doing his job if he let the guys under him shirk. And they don't work, well, I'm going to be the nice one. I'll let him get away with it. No, you have a responsibility to the business. 
And, but, but you can come down on people obnoxiously, or you can correct them back to the standard in a loving, concerned way. Be the loving, concerned one, okay? Be gracious. As we were singing earlier, show a little bit, or maybe we should have said show a lot of love and kindness. And then look at verse 21. Verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be kind, be loving, be persistent. Persistent. You be the one that keeps at it. Don't give up. Because the Holy Spirit is producing in you kindness as part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then these things on the screen up here, including kindness, this is what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life. Unless you are resisting that. So the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. If you're not growing in your kindness toward other people, then you're resisting the fruit of the Spirit, or you haven't yet trusted Christ as your Savior. So if you've not trusted Christ, don't leave here today. Talk to one of us. Let us show you from Scripture how you can know you'd be out of your heaven. If you have, have trusted Christ, then step up your game. Be more kind. Even if people are Blue Devil fans, be more kind, be more gracious, be more tolerant of other people. I haven't picked on you for a while, Joe. Listen, it's not easy to be kind all the time. It's not easy to be kind to people who hate you. But when you do, you show the world there's a radical difference between those who follow Jesus Christ and those who don't. And that's the best testimony that you have for Christ. In the words of Jesus himself, it's your love that will show people that you are his disciple. So, love, kindness, graciousness, uh, a sympathy with people, be humane, be gentle, Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.